Hi, and welcome to the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Christian Klepp, and one of the founders of Einblick Consulting. Our goal is to share inspirational stories, tips, and insights from B2B marketers, digital entrepreneurs, and industry experts that will help you to think differently, succeed, and scale your business. All right. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast, where you get your weekly dose of B2B marketing insights. I'm your host, Christian Klepp. And today I'm thrilled to welcome a guest into the show who has specialized in UX and UI design and who now helps businesses to improve the buying journeys of their customers in real time. Or as he likes to put it, he does that for every visitor, every stage, and every device. So coming to us from Germany, Lukas Hensch, schönen guten Tag und herzlich willkommen. Welcome to the show. Schönen guten Tag. Thanks a lot for having me. It was... um. That was a, it was nice to like you know get get to meet you and uh, you know once again on platforms like LinkedIn and uh, you know what what started out, uh, out as a product demo then became an an increasingly interesting conversation and uh, here we are <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Likewise. All right. All right. So let's start out with you know Lucas, you built your career um, around working to improve um, the user experience via online platforms, which. Um, I mean, here comes the understatement of the year. It's become increasingly important, right? <laughs> uh, because while face-to-face meetings are not possible at the moment, trade shows are gone. Um, who knows when they're going to come back? So, of course, um, B2B marketers and organizations are going to spend a lot of time um, you know, acquiring business through digital means and online, which means that they're going to have to improve their, um, you know, their customer journeys. So... In a previous life, you were responsible for um, mobile UX at Google and Workday, and now you're one of the co-founders at PathMonk, right? So talk to us about the customer journeys on online platforms as you see it and why it's so important for B2B organizations not just to understand them, but to continuously improve them. I think think you put it right there. Like It has been a fascination across all my career, really, because um, I think I came to that realization one day where I felt there is a very heavy focus, typically, on what you're building and what you're putting out there, the next website, the next product, and very often, very little consideration with how little attention, how, how little time, uh, and, and under which you know, real life stress situations, people actually move through those platforms, right? You know, as a, every time you speak to somebody, they have what, like 20 tabs open and uh, your website might be just one of them. So I was always fascinated by this whole idea of um, communicating information into the journey of somebody very accurately and very precisely, because, you know, if you give somebody a wall of information, they really have to dedicate a lot of time. And I think this becoming less and less likely that even if you have to do an important decision that you're going to do spending a whole lot of time on just one particular you know, page and like um, trying to get all the answers from there. So I think that is the, the thought that always accompanied me, right? And while I was at, at Google, we focused a lot on mobile page optimization. And why do, does the whole concept of page speed optimization even exist? It's, it's exactly because of that scenario, right? If the page loads longer than three seconds, what, 56% of the users are gone. So there's going to be no journey if the content is not there. And this is not even having achieved communicating an important idea from your team, your marketing team, through the website into the brain of the of the individual on the other side. It's just like that they're staying around. Um, and yeah, so I think this all, all has been um, 
yeah, forming a journey of focusing on improving um, the, the consumer journeys, the buying journeys on, on pages from all its different aspects. And with Google, like I said, it's been a focus on mobile, but mobile is not the only part of the journey. Um, but it has been a great time actually focusing on those. That's fantastic. Um, and, you know, thanks for sharing that. Um, where do you think organizations get it wrong? Because let's, let's face it, like, you know, whether it's in your personal circle, in your professional circle, I mean, how often have we heard these stories that somebody is going onto a platform or going onto a web website and they are frustrated with the user experience? So mm -hmm. what, what is it that organizations are getting wrong? Like, why, why do you think some of them are not, um, are not taking that market feedback and, and, and improving on, their, um, on, on this experience that will improve uh, in turn the customer journey? I think this has so many dimensions and I can pick a couple of Please. them and, yeah. and speak about them, but it has a lot of dimensions. So why, why do they, I, don't, I even don't want to say they get it wrong. I think there's just so many things you have to take into consideration. Mm -hmm. It's a very, it's a complex task to actually do it. Right. So, um, so I think the first thing would be, for example, starting off, let's say we talk about the website, right? Even knowing other people that are coming to my page, are they from the right types of ICPs? Are they even the companies that I should be designing a state for, right? There's already one thing that is not for everybody trivial to understand and, um, and figure out, right? So starting at the very first point, are the people that I'm designing for are even the people that I should be designing for can be a difficult task. If you, you know, if you add a lot of, ask a lot of marketing teams, you know, what's the percentage of people on your website that actually match your buyer persona Will um, they really know? <laughs> right. yeah. yeah. So, so that this is where it starts um, at the first place, and then it goes it goes through um, through uh, a lot of layers uh, from there. But um, I think that has been uh, is one that's one difficult element. The other thing is actually focusedly or intentionally designing those journeys is neither an easy task because um, there is a lot of challenges in that, right? So let's say you want to, I don't know, you want to have a blog post and then you want to trigger uh, a pop-up. You want to, you know, you want to guide them through that journey. You have to do a lot of pre-thinking uh, with a lot of steps and you have to do a lot of manual setups and then you have to continuously completely measure that whole journey and then figuring out is the journey right? What is the wrong piece in the journey? So there's a lot of manual work required to actually get to a solid understanding of the journey um, and I think um, you know depending on the size of the team depending on the attention that the team has for this type of task it's it's very easy to to not have it fully even fully tracked <laughs> for that matter right even though we have all the tools available in the world um, you know uh, there would be enough marketing teams out there that probably would even not where the tracking does not fully reflect the actual journey and some very simple answers about the journey, and I'm not just talking about a funnel, I'm talking about the journey here, um, are difficult to give. So um, yeah, I wouldn't put it in the way that they're doing it wrong. I just think it is a complex task as conversion optimization is a complex task. It's just something that requires input from a lot of, from a lot of areas, from you know, designers that are their scientists sometimes, um, from the web development team, the people that know the personas really well, like in order to actually properly lay that out. Um, and uh, probably the only thing that I could add there, I think there's probably also a mindset that is um, very fixed still on buying journeys, right? Like every, pretty much, you know, a lot of websites that you're getting to, they will have the same information ready for you, no matter where you are in the journey. It's 
going to be exactly the same information. Um, obviously, obviously, there's website personalization, which can, you know, have a different case study if you're coming from a particular industry. But still, it's a journey that somebody's going through and they don't want to just hear the same thing. It's not that we, you and me talk three times and I keep on repeating the same thing. I should be up, upgrading what I'm telling you or changing, adapting to what I understand about you. That was a great answer. And yes, um, granted that um, it's it, there is no, um, I would say, uh, straightforward answer to like, okay, these are the problems and this is how you should fix it because it really depends on, as you said, the size of the organization, uh, the scope of the work involved. And uh, if I've understood everything that you've been saying in the past couple of minutes, there's a lot of work involved. And there's a, there's a lot of, um, I would say the, the term is like a lot of moving parts in this mm -hmm. ecosystem. No? But I think it's, um, if I understood what you were saying, it's, it's, about, um, it's about making these improvements um, incrementally um, based on, um, you know, what your, you know, what organizations are seeing on their platforms, um, how users are interacting with it, uh, where, where there are roadblocks, um, and I guess prioritizing too, right? Because, you know, there's a, there's a temptation to try to fix everything, but we all know that, that, that that's a road to nowhere, right? Yeah, I think one thing is uh, I didn't try to make it sound too complex because we mm. can break it down into simple rules. Like keep the, the let's talk about the CTA on the website, yep. right? The CTA mm -hmm. on the website is essentially what you want the user to do on your page. So does your CTA at all evolve with the stages of the journey? If I'm at the very beginning of the journey, typical buyer journey out there for everybody who's listening and you know, there's many models out there, but typically it consists of a couple of stages, awareness, consideration making, decision making, and then conversion. If I'm no a user is in the awareness stage, why do I ask this user to now book a call with me? They're just getting to know me. And this is where we're starting with very simple concepts and when you ask me what, what, what organizations are getting wrong, I think that is something that is uh, very often been taken wrong. There's one conversion goal that I as a business have, which is book a demo with me. And then there is stages that individuals are walking through. And I should be probably really catering, catering what I want from them or what I want to give them proactively based on the stage and the journey. And um, I think, um, yeah, I don't want to make it sound too complex because those principles are simple. There are stages. You want something from your visitor, you provide something, but does that map? Is there a mapping between what you do and what they, where they are? And that mapping is, I guess, you know, the first steps to, to getting it right. That's, a, that, that's really insightful. And I think that's really helpful, especially for the listeners out there who I know, um, you know from, from talking to them, um, many of them are currently in the process of improving that experience on their websites. And uh, as, as you said, um, maybe, maybe perhaps um, the best way to go about it is to try to take a step back and simplify the approach, right? Okay, fantastic. Um, Lucas, we can't talk, we can't really talk about improving um, customer journeys without mentioning data, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we know that data is an important component, right? When it comes to the customer journey and it helps to improve conversions as well as um, lead qualification, which is, which is just as important, right? Mm -hmm. So. Just from your experience, give us an example of how you used um, data to improve, um, you know, you know uh, conversions, lead qualification, and so forth. It actually ties into the concepts that we've been speaking about, right? If you know, if you know by behavior on the page, and that is data, right? That is number of scrolls, that is clicks, that is number of visits, right? 
if you know by by data in which stage this user most likely is, then you know what information you can provide, um, and or you you can try to provide, or you can get a give it a shot at providing. Right? Might it be somebody in the awareness stage? You know, you give them an introduction about what you do versus asking them for a call. <laughs> it's it's pretty simple uh, in in a certain way. And data drives uh, really. Um, I mean, I don't want to talk too much. Uh, about what you know, Pathfunk does in detail, but that is exactly what Pathfunk is, you know, focused upon: understanding that data in real time, figuring out what would be the next piece of information, and then providing that information to the user. And it's completely data-driven, behavior-driven, I should say. And that results, obviously, you know, you seeing in data um, information the buying journey, awareness stage, consideration stage, decision-making stage where users are actually at in their journey and what, what percentage of your visitors even gets down to the decision-making stage and, you know, starts to sincerely consider your product and not just, you know, having spent a couple of seconds and then heading off again. So, um, yeah, I think data can be used there in two ways to analyze what has been going on to identify gaps in the journey. So if you know, you know, people pushing really nicely through your first couple of stages, because the content that you're providing is really helpful and insightful, but there is a challenge in, you know, somebody moving from, let's say, the consideration stage to actually deciding to contact you guys. It might be that there is something that you would have to treat and that you will only see by data, by where, where do the drop-offs lie, really? That's really interesting. And I think, um, I think one thing that you've also mentioned um, during our last call, which I thought was really interesting, is that um, the data can also help you to, like, um, I don't know if predict is the right word, but like anticipate what the uh, what the visitor's behavior is going to be. And that will also help you to improve um, the, the current experience. Am I, am I right to say that? Yeah, think about it. I mean, mm. we can make it very, we can make it very simple. Think about yeah. a shopping mall, right? Huh? Think about a sh shopping mall and people moving through shops. Like there is certain predictability about what people do and not do in shops, <laughs> right? And there is a certain predictability if somebody yeah. comes in, five times into into your shop uh, that they're and looking at one particular piece that they might just need one more information about that particular piece in order to make the decision. So um, yeah, so there is um, definitely the chance to analyze behavior and derive from there and you know patterns are emerging to see, figure out like what would be the next piece of content that could actually help them. Might it be a testimonial, for example, when they're studying to consider you guys, but they don't, you know, haven't really gotten to the trust, um, the full trust, for example, in your in your offering. So, um, again, I think people behave in certain ways relatively predictable. Like, if you look into the next. I mean, right now it's difficult to look into the shopping malls, but when this is going to be happening like normal again, like you, it's very you rarely going to see somebody out of a sudden sprinting through the shop, right? <laughs> so um, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, and, and this is how it translates, right? There's certain patterns mm -hmm. that are likely, uh, likely, you know, guiding towards a certain direction that the visitor is doing. And if they're spending certain amount of clicks at certain amount of time, there's always outliers. That's not the yeah. question. But there's yeah. patterns that are emerging and that the system can pick up. Okay. Okay. Um, right. Um, I'm just going to throw this question in there because I, you know, some of the points you brought up in the past couple of minutes were so interesting. But I, I'm just going to ask this from your experience, okay? Like from what you've seen, um, you know, working in your business and also working with uh, your customers. But on average, and you can give me an estimation on average, how many touch points does it require um, in the journey um, before a um, 
before a visitor converts, would you say? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, this, that's a different, difficult question, but I can give my best to give you the answer <laughs> from what we've, we've been seeing. Yeah. Uh, number one, it, um, it really depends on the product in itself, right? If we're talking about high ticket service products, typically the journey is going to be over a longer period of time with more touch points, right? You're not just not going to go there and buy, uh, I don't know, $50,000 software out of a sudden on your first touch point, right? Um, and there's tons of studies actually, like I think Gartner is bringing out great studies on the B2B buying journeys and how complex it can be. There's actually a Google study um, that has been showing uh, the car buying journey can have, I think it was up to 900 digital steps. Uh, until the decision is being made, right? How, so, how many? 900? I think, that, I think 900. I have to, I have to yeah. pull up the report. It's somewhere mm. between the 600 and 900 digital steps, yeah. right? So, like, so in other words, several. <laughs> yes, yeah. exactly. And and it like I'm not saying every journey is that complex. And, right. and I'm not saying that this 900 steps or 600 steps, I would have to check out uh, on the exact number now. Um, are all happening on your assets. They're happening across, you know, what the comparison platforms, uh, YouTube, whatever. It is, but there's longer journeys and, and there's a micro moments, micro touch points that are happening. And that was, was, you know, it was also was very exciting um, um, within the time at Google because that's what the whole mobile optimization topic is all about. These are micro moments. Somebody needs a piece of information right now to do that next step in the journey. That's why page load is important. That's why, you know, all of this kind of place, like it is there because it makes sense. SEO, uh, PageSpeed is not for SEO because of its own sake. It's there so that the user can actually progress in that journey because the page has information ready, for example. Right? Um, but to go back to your question, and I, I think there's also a lot of patterns emerging, right? There's different cohorts and groups. There might be cohorts that are going through a really long journey. Um, there might be cohorts that are going through a very short journey, very quick touch point and submitting their information. Um, and then it's obviously interesting to figure out, like, you know, where do the quality requests sit, depending on your journey. So. I can't really give you like this are six touch points because it depends on the product, it depends on the, the price, it depends on um, the complexity of the decision that is involved. Um, but uh, definitely, the journey is becoming more complex and more complex because there's more information available. Uh, and you know, within ten seconds, I can have like a couple of tabs open that already makes what like 10, 15 touch points. <laughs> That's uh, no, that's 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 fair enough, and I think you 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 broke it down really well in terms of how you explained that. Okay, um, you know, this is something that you can't always quantify, which I, I totally understand, and 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 I think you brought up another point, which is equally important about um, about these uh, these uh, what did you call them micro moments, right? Because it's a it's all about especially in B two B where we all know that the sales cycles can usually be a bit longer because, as you said, people are not just going to take out their credit card and. And buy something for five thousand or ten thousand um, dollars. It's going to take um, it's going to take a longer time. It's going to take um, there's multiple elements involved that will help to influence that person to make that purchasing decision at the end of the day, right? What okay. what I would say though is it is important for every team out there to start to get an understanding of the yes. journey as as good as possible, right? And that Absolutely. is possible. Right? It is possible to understand from when my first visit to my last conversion point. What was the time in between? Yeah, right? that is that is hugely important to understand, and how many visits have been in there between to even be able to remotely think about something like a customer journey that is based on facts and not, yes, you know, imagi imagination. Imagination. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, and it's, I think it's possible to really approximate to this. So that is, I think, I think a very important point as well to really start looking. What does that journey actually look like? 
um, versus what do I think it looks like that they're coming to my page and sign up and then have a conversation with sales versus, you know, they might be coming a couple of times, one time from the, from the bus, they pick up their phone, they just read one piece of my, our website, then they're gone again, then they're coming back. So um, working on getting a really good understanding of this, um, I think is uh, a really great exercise on all the, on everybody who's involved in those teams working on the journeys. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblick.co for more information. Talk to us about, um, because I know that, you, you know, at PathMonk, you, you know, you guys also use this type of technology. So, for example, like, you know, there's there's AI involved. So just, you know, talk to us about how technology has been helpful in understanding and improving um, the customer journey for, you know, companies in the B2B space. Yeah, I mean, th there's a couple of elements to this. Uh, one is really to get an understanding of where somebody in the journey actually is on the website. Right? That's the first place. That's the first thing. Like if you, if I ask you today, you know, you've got 5,000 visitors, 10,000 visitors, 50,000 visitors. Could you break me down how deep they are actually in their journey? You know, it will take you quite a lot of work to, to get there to that answer. Um, and um, so that would be one thing, understanding where people are in the journey. And I think it helps on the second layer, figuring out what is the next best piece of information to show to them. Yeah, and that is very hard to just make up, right? I mean, you could say, yeah, after 30 seconds, they are being on my page. I'm going to be showing a pop-up that is asking X or saying Y. And I would question you and ask, or I would question that and ask, how do you know? Right? How do you know that this is the next piece of information that that user needed? Like, what, what made you think that? And if you can give a good rational answer based on the research of users in your journey, because you know that, I don't know, after a certain period of time on your page, users come to that conclusion because you've seen that again and again in, I don't know, for example, user studies, then I would say, great, you really understand the study and you didn't need necessarily AI to figure that out. But I would say in many, many cases, that's not the case where information is brought to the user, not really based on the journey thinking um, mindset. And uh, this is where I can jump in and, you know, pick up information, you know, this information, this user now needs a testimonial, this user now needs uh, a comparison table of our products. Like, this is where I can start, you know, kicking in. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's really interesting. Um, you know, at least from some of the things that you've been describing in the past couple of minutes, it sounds a little bit like a design thinking approach, right? Because like, I mean, design thinking is obviously also used for product development. And one of the things that they keep saying, which is extremely important, is, um, I, I mean, yes, empathy, but it's also like, okay, putting yourself in the shoes of this customer that is going through this platform. And, you know, to answer your question about like, okay, what stage they're at right now, what would they be needing? Well, you won't know that unless you're unless you put yourself in the shoes of that customer to understand. Okay, so these these are the steps that they have to go through. This is the process, right? I mean, I mean, you can shortcut that work a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that you can completely ignore it, but there's already, yeah. you know, like the idea of the buying journey is not a new concept. No, it is 
it goes way back. Yes, <laughs> it, it yes, goes yes. Uh, way back. It's, it's just how do you translate that into that digital environment so that it makes sense and that it actually translates over. So you know, there's uh, there's you know there's some knowledge. You will find you know even a, a tons of blog posts, right? For certain stages, there's just like certain things you should do and you shouldn't do, right? And let's say in the in the awareness stage, you know, don't do a hard sell. As a very simple example, don't just have your main call to action ask for, like I said, uh, a demo or stuff like that, but actually provide, you know, educational information, you know, and this is how you can go through in the consideration stage, right? You can provide, you know, testimonials, reviews, like just thinking through, like even yourself, what information do you need? That's the simple, like what you call it in UX design, heuristic evaluation, right? An expert goes through and says, okay, what do I think are is needed in that stages? You don't need AI for this. You just need, you know, an understanding of which pieces of information map to which stage in the journey. And um, I think that is already a big leap forward without a huge, uh, you know, research. That Just that simple thinking of there's a stages, there's content pieces that map, which ones should we be bringing up uh, best uh, and which one could be should put at the, at the stage in which stage we can that was such a great answer, I have to say. Um, and, and, and the other thing is like, you know, yes, of course, uh, buyer's journey, uh, customer journey mapping, these are, like you said, these are nothing new. But I think the trick and the challenge and the value that people like, like yourself or anybody else that's, uh, you know, specialized in this field bring to the table is how to translate that into the digital environment, right? Because that is a that's a competency that's uh, that's that's you know becoming increasingly like I would say in demand for lack of a better term, right? Okay. Um, and I think there's actually there's an interesting one. I think yeah. if that if that is okay, I'm interrupting there, 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 like that translation is really key, and it's not to be underestimated. Let's take one mm. very simple simple example. Sure. Let's take the the chat that you find on websites. The chatbot or the chat yeah. chatbot whatever, right? Yeah. It's being used in many different contexts at the moment, but where it originates from is customer support. It was there that when you go somewhere and ask a question that you can get an answer real quick. This is how it works uh, offline, right? If you have an information stand in a shopping mall, you can go there and ask a question. It's not that that person will gonna sell you, is not gonna sell you a product right now, right? So. But when we in the digital world, like sometimes it seems that concepts are easily to be misunderstood and mistaken in purpose. So, for example, a chat is being understood by many teams as a lead generation tool, but has originated from a, a support function. Right. So now it's up to each company to evaluate, you know, how much leads and how much business have been actually been created through chat. I'm not you know, the one to judge. Every company should check on their own data. But I can definitely say that it seems that those purposes sometimes are misused, right? Or change when they move into the digital environment. Uh, you know, while you wouldn't have an information receptionist being the salesperson, the customer chat out of a sudden takes on that role, right? So- Yes, um, yes. And, and we've all seen those platforms, right? Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. Totally agree with you. Um, you know, there's uh, in every every field of expertise, and yours is definitely no exception. There's um, something you call conventional wisdom or commonly held beliefs that people have. Mm -hmm. So, why don't you um, talk to us about one of those beliefs, right, that you strongly disagree with, and why? 
I would put one confrontative statement out there and would mm. say chatbots are not a great way to generate leads. Okay. And that has a couple of reasons because you are bringing, you're bringing pieces of information that you could directly serve to the users into a conversational interface that they necessarily didn't ask for, right? So it's, they have to go through a conversation while they were maybe just wanting to book a demo, <laughs> as an example. Exactly. Um, um, and um, so that will be probably one that I would put out there. I mean, right. I'm, I'm, it's, I think it's a topic that can be discussed. I mean, data always gives the answers, but yes. I think that definitely um, has some merit. And there is, I mean, there's a lot of factors to it that point to that, right? A lot of people have challenges interacting with chatbots. That, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not difficult to find users who have a challenge to walk through the flow of a chatbot to then come to the desired outcome. Right. Hence, there's still a challenge for them to be converting through that channel. So um, it's actually interesting because we we grew from that. Pathmog in itself, in its original days, has been actually been a chatbot building service, you know, way back. Um, and, oh, really? Um, oh, okay. Just saw how we started. And okay. Based on that, you know, chatbot has been a big hype. What in 2016, 2015, 2017? Yeah. Right? Yes. Yes. There, there was a big push, and mm -hmm. um, but what we've been seeing back then is this is a passive. Element. I'm not here to like you know dash chatbots. This is just the experience that we had. Like this is a passive element that requires the user to make a proactive decision to go into a chat, which is typically a support function, to then go through all of those steps to get to the final end result. And that's where we started rethinking. And that's why I would put out there, like chatbots probably, it could be challenged that they're the greatest way to generate leads. Right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, just as a little bit of um, you know, a piece of advice for people out there that are trying to improve the customer journey of their organizations. What would you say is one thing that you think people should start and mm -hmm. one thing that people should stop doing? Mm -hmm. So I think one thing uh, that they should start is having a good measurement in place that you can actually read simply, <laughs> right? <laughs> that you can actually get to the insights that you need to be able to say, how is our journey performing here at the moment? And I would say, I mean, in very sophisticated organizations, that shouldn't be a problem. But, you know, as soon as um, experts are missing, that can be a challenge, right? So um, I would say that's one thing that should, you should really start with, like having just a very simple set of analytics or insights in place that will tell you what is currently even going on with the journey. That would be one. What they should be stopping doing is making up personas. Um, right. I think Everything that should be happening should be data-driven, even if it comes down to creating your personas. I think, you know, as a designer, um, and uh, I've been confronted with personas all the time. And I've, what I noticed is, especially, you know, product managers, business leaders can stop their relief in personas very easily. And I always found to be the main reason is because the information just wasn't believable. Right? It was no real insights about the personas that made that persona real, like in terms of, you know, what is the keywords that they're actually looking for rather than, you know, do they have, uh, I don't know, do they play soccer in their free time? 
right? Like making, moving yeah. away from that. Things, high that level, are not, yeah, things that are not going to help your work, right? Exactly. Moving away from the high level personas, because I think they have a bad rep. The personas have a really bad rep um, in, in certain um in certain circles, because I think they have been created again and again and again on a very unbelievable framework. Uh, while if you feed them only with actual real data that comes from customer interviews, that comes from uh, the insights from your website, that comes from you know whatever other sources you can you can you can take from, um, I think you're going to have much better conversations. How to even create the buying journey? Because how do you want to create a journey for somebody where you know that they're playing soccer in the afternoon, but you don't know what they're searching for? So it's very yeah. difficult. It's meaningless. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say this. That's I would say would be the one thing to, to stop. Yeah. Doing well, bullshit I'm, personas. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a really good point. And, and 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 I think what you're trying to say, Lucas, is like it's not it's not that you should stop making personas. It's just you should no. do them the right way. Yes, making yeah. them data-based, um, making them believable that you saw, you, like every marketer themselves, every designer themselves should really deeply ask themselves, do I believe in that persona that I've just built up here? And if so, why? And if that data is solid, great. That's where you have to go. Personas are crucial. Like I think it's very difficult to design any journey if you don't know who you're designing it for and what are the parameters that they're, <clears throat> that makes that journey. But yeah, as I mentioned, um, is as long as the data is low quality, the output will be low quality. Exactly. No, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I mean, Lucas, this has been such a great and insightful and informative session about like customer uh, journeys and how to improve them. So could you please do us the honor of uh, introducing yourself to the listeners? Oh, very good. Let me start with that. <laughs> so I'm, 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 I'm Lucas. Very good. I'm, I'm Lucas. I am a part of Pathmonk. Who is a, it's, it's a tool that supports and customizes automatically buying journeys on websites in order to generate more leads. Previously, I've been, you know, parts as we were touching upon in the conversation, being part of Google's mobile UX team. I've been in Workdays. UX team and have been actually been you brought up the uh, design thinking have been part of Hustle Platner's design school way back uh, when it uh, was running its courses so um, yeah I think that's uh, all I need to say fantastic um, you know as I said this has been such a great session so um, like what's the best way for uh, people out there to you know get in touch with you I'd say head to pathmonk.com p-a-t-h M-O-N-K.com. Um, mm -hmm. And obviously on LinkedIn, Lucas Hench, Lucas, L-U-K-A-S-H-A-E-N-S-C-H. Fantastic. Lucas, um, thanks again, you know, for coming on and sharing your experience and expertise with the listeners. Um, really appreciate it. Feeling that's like dank. Um, take care, take be safe, and uh, you know, talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. All right, thanks. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Music